genre. Welcome back to Rocky Minute, the daily podcast that analyzes the movie Rocky one minute at a time. I am Doug Greenberg. And I'm Jason Haynes. And with us once again, we have Sully from Sully Baseball. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. I'm I'm heading over to the docks. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> scoot away from scary bets. guys on a little my little uh, my little caterpillar scooter <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's not even a forklift for Christ's sake. Uh, uh, well, t- Today we're knocking out minute 13. Ooh, back to that, huh? Yeah. Brought it back. I brought it back. Uh, which starts with Rocky walking along the docks, and it ends with Rocky taking money from a whimpering man. What's his name again? What's the guy's name? Bob. Yeah, sort of. It I depends think. on if, if you want to go with what he says or what he's uh, written as in the script, which is Fats. No, no, it's Bob. He calls him Bob in the movie, so that's... that's yeah. I, I go well, by that. him what his name... Yeah, he asks him what his name is. He says Bob. But I, I love the the first shot is when he's walking and we see the building and the forklift in the background. The camera follows him mm-hmm. and widens to show a huge dock. Right. There's a giant barge there. I got to say, as, as someone who's done his share of low-budget filmmaking in my life, this is the kind of shot that um, this is when, an, as I said, a, a location scout, an art director and a cinematographer can get together and get something which is basically a camera on a tripod following an actor and turning. And it looks beautiful and they find in one shot, the shot where you're looking down towards the building, you have the building on the right, you got the forklifts and everything, and the motion of the, 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 the vehicles going in front of the camera. I love, I'm waving my hands in front of my face as if you could see the, the, what I'm doing with my hands. <laughs> And you follow him, and then it turns, and you get another beautiful shot. And in one shot, you get two beautiful shots with a sense of motion, a sense of you know depth of field. You go there's a long depth down towards the building, and a huge depth behind this gigantic boat. Oh yeah. And this is again, as we were saying in the pet shop, and we're saying in, we're, I'm being a broken record here. This is beautiful visually, and essentially it's. I'm going to put a camera here and turn it to the right. That's what it is. There's no effects. There's no matte paintings. There's no computer generated. And it's not. And it's it's not a giant set they built. They just found something that's real. And in one turn of the camera, you're like, I wonder where we are. Hmm. There's a bunch of things going around. Oh, we're at the docks. And it's kind of grimy and kind of dirty, but filled with blue collar guys. And this one kind of mysterious, nice looking car in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and it's just one of the details of this film. It doesn't cost money to find the right place and do it right. And I think it's a low-budget film that looks beautiful. Yeah, you, you mentioned the uh, the Cadillac that's sitting there with the what, three four, guys, four, four, four guys sitting around it. it. It looks out of place next to the, the humongous right. uh, Sohio Resolute. Yeah, I was gonna say what 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 is at first I thought it was South Ohio Resolute. That's why at first I was like, and then and then I thought it was maybe Soho. So so is that what it is? So for those of you who are wondering what the hell we're talking about, <laughs> these are the, we're we're not having a collective stroke here. That there's a there's a big huge boat on screen left, 
and the which has this huge anchor. And by the way, this film came out the same year as the Dino De Laurentiis uh, remake of King Kong came out. And this looks like the big boat that Charles Grodin and Jeff Bridges were on that brought Kong back. So yeah, very well. Yeah. It would have been it would have been cool if they had the same the same call letters on that. This is in the King Kong universe, but um, that on the side of the boat with this beautiful anchor and it's tied up and you see it's a real damn boat. Um, is uh, the name of the boat is Sohio Resolute, which I don't know what that means. Uh, I couldn't find anything on the the name um, why they named it that, um, but it was a real uh, barge. Launched in 1971 under the flag of the good old U.S. of A. Mm-hmm. Uh, gross tonnage was 37,784 pounds oh, for those damn. interested parties. <laughs> I mean, You're not pe- pounds. Tons. Tons. I'm sorry. Tons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it made of balsa wood? What kind of boat? <laughs> what kind of boat is this? Uh, it says the dead weight was 81,862 tons, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. 247.2 meters long, which is 811 feet. Scrapped you know, in 1993. But the name was just... Um, what, Ohio stands, is for Standard Oil Company of Ohio. Oh, there you go. That's the, the oil, it's an oil barge, so Resolute, I guess, which is a name, but the, it was a... Uh, the oil company was owned by John D. Rockefeller. Yeah. But I looked okay. it up. It's, it's Standard Oil of Ohio. Was Look at that. Ohio. Like Resolute you know. was just the name, so I guess they had other ships like the Ohio, something else, Ohio, something else. Ohio, Resolute, oh, so they just name of shit. But you would think, like when you when you're doing these minute by minute things, and you see something like this, you're like, wow, this has to be something big or whatever. And then you look it up; it's just it could might as well have just said Exxon on the side of it. Yeah, you know, there's right. nothing. It's just, but it, it was just the boat that was there, I guess, when the uh, when they were filming. I said that this was the on uh, one of the previous minutes I was on. I said that this is kind of the spiritual sequel to On the Waterfront. And we see where does he go? He works on the waterfront. I mean, this is where yeah. he is, and 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 on the waterfront dealt with a lot of the corruption and some of the the, the shady, you know, I don't know if they use the term mob, but you know the the kind of the mob mentality that's there. And so, you know, we see that this is this is probably what Terry from on the waterfront would look like. He wouldn't look like a young Marlon Brando. He would look like Stallone. And and this is what it would look and feel like. And these are what the guys on the docks would look like. And it's, it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they, I'm sure there was a lot of uh, influence by Elia Kazan on this. And one of the interesting things, because we know St- Stallone's, you know, especially because of Creed, he's gotten a, a renaissance of respect uh, recently, but there was a big chunk of his career where he was looked upon as kind of a one-trick pony and someone who can't really act. And that when this film was first being promoted, it was a '70s film, so they had to promote it sad and somber. Uh, that they it was being billed as we have found this incredible new performer. Some consider him to be the next Brando, the next De Niro. And yeah, it was Stallone. Yeah, they, they had to pump him up because he who the hell is this guy? Was. Right, but that they put him on the waterfront as a boxer and who's living kind of a corrupt life and having this sort of strange, you know, sweet romance with a local girl. This is like a documentary style version of On the Waterfront in that sense. Yeah, almost like a more real world version because right. nobody's that handsome. Yeah. It's funny you bring up On the Waterfront, though, because I read that uh, 
Gazo was actually supposed to be Rocky's older brother in the script. Gazo was his older brother. Oh, really? But uh, Avildsen rejected it because he thought that it was too similar to a character in On the Waterfront. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Lee J. Cobb the first choice to play Mickey? To play Mickey, yes. I be- yes, he was. Yeah, and I and 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 also they. I believe they asked. Um, I almost said Hyman Roth. Jesus, uh, Lee Strasberg, uh, which would have which would have uh, accentuated the Godfather connection on this film. He definitely wanted an established guy, yeah. like a old school established guy for Mickey. This uh, the doc that they're on was a was a real working doc. After you know that throughout the years, docs like this started disappearing and getting replaced by condos and townhomes and stuff. You know, God forbid people don't make their money off of empty space. Right. You don't have to tell me that. That's that's all of California. It's like, oh, here's a beautiful thing that used to be an orange grove. Let's put another Walgreens and Staples and uh, a bunch of townhouses that cost nine hundred thousand dollars and a fake fountain in the middle of it. Boom. Oh yeah, you would hate you would hate to have seen that be beautiful scenery. No, no, no. No, no. Yeah. Grass. What the hell's grass? We put another Applebee's there. That'd be great. Yeah. Right. Revenue. So who are these four guys? Eh? No, and we never find out. But you know, I, <laughs> they don't I, look like they're working the docks. It looks like they may be conducting some other type of business. Some other business. So, so you know, something steamy oh, yeah. goes on down at the docks. Right. Everything. <laughs> One guy asks how his boss is. His boss. Like, and again, we're Rocky's in a position where everybody knows who he is. You know, he's in another yeah. spot where everybody knows him. Obviously, yeah, they, he's a frequenter of the docks. The, the the one guy says asks him if he's fighting and he says we'll make we'll make some money real soon. Is there is this guy proposing? You know they they do some fight fixing. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I love that we never find out who they are. Yeah, but they're just they're some seedy. They're again. This is this is trusting the audience that you don't need to have this explained. Yeah, right? that there's this is the docs. And there's going to be some shady characters there. Another resisted urge uh, for expositional dialogue. You don't need it. But this is like it's the first. Now, now you're starting to, to ask yourself, is Rocky on the up and up? You know, you yeah. thought he was this, this sweet guy, this dishonest, down on his luck fighter. And now now you're like, wait, what, what they're talking about his boss. And he's obviously not showing up to drive a forklift in his beautiful leather jacket. What's his business here? So, so you're yeah. starting to have some some conflicting feelings about him. Right. And and I think but this is a beautiful thing about this movie. And one of the things that makes it work is that this is what he is. This is what other job is he going to get other than he's there, he's a muscly guy, he's, a, he's an athlete. So if you're this guy living in this neighborhood and you look and are built like him, what are you going to do with your life? Well, you could threaten, you could go try to make some money and, and try to shake down poor Bob who tries to get away of the little, it's like the little, the little, what is yeah, that? The little, I, I don't know. I don't even know what that it doesn't have a forklift doesn't have a snowplow or something I don't no, know what the hell it is nothing. it's like a, you know how some uh, work sites they'll use a golf cart to get from A to B it's almost like that but or maybe like maybe a thing can attach to the back and it drags something around is probably what it is sure but either way he tries to get away from that that he gets cornered tries to jump off and run away and you know Rocky corners him by the, the, the little tower with the ladder on it and that's he, uh, that's that's what he what's he gonna do with his life other than this? This guy knows exactly who Rocky is, and it's not from fighting. Yeah. At the sight of Rocky, he books it because he knows he's he's about to be in trouble. Like Rocky has a reputation not just from fighting, but from whatever other business he's involved in here. Right. 
Yeah, he pleads. And you can see how scared he is. You know that you this that Bob is Bob's Bob's wetting his pants in this scene. And and yeah, and that, he pl- pleads him not to punch him in the face. Yeah, this is this is another. I mean, this turns into a great. I don't know at what point this scene ends with this minute. I may have to just cheat here a little bit and skip to there. But yeah, I mean, he. Yeah, he, this continues when he starts talking to him and he puts his hand over his mouth. And mm-hmm. that this is, again, a piece of great character development. That he could break his thumbs, he could beat the shit out of him, and he doesn't. He has em- he has empathy, yeah, which you... that's exactly it. Which, you know, there's... I'm going to talk about another movie for a second, which is very, very different from Rocky. But, um, you know, Pulp Fiction is a film about the bad guys. And sometimes the bad guys you don't even think about. You know, that's essentially about, you know, guys who would show up in one scene. Basically, a guy that Bruce Willis would blow away in a Bruce Willis film and end up on the toilet and be a laugh. We're going to follow that guy for a whole movie. Right. And and so you, you sort of get to know who the bad guy is. And in this, you're watching a guy who would maybe the bad guy in a movie, the big scary guy who will break the thumbs. If this was a movie about Bob, the villain is Rocky. You know, he's the scary dude that you want to avoid. Mm -hmm. And we're watching it from his point of view, and he has empathy for him and says, you know, how much money do you have? I've been told to break your thumb. And breaking your thumbs is so awful because it's broken and you need your thumbs all the oh, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you wonder, he does have empathy for the guy. Right. Um, so he, he's a compassionate guy. He doesn't want to, he doesn't hit him. He doesn't want to break the thumbs. He wants to get the money so they can be resolved yeah. but peacefully. I, this also isn't his first day on the job. So how many thumbs has Rocky broken? Or not broken. Right. Or, right, I mean, Gazzo... But this guy, Bob, wouldn't be... His first reaction wouldn't be, don't hit in the face, don't hit in the face, unless he's been hit before, or, or Rocky has a reputation of hitting people, because why would you say that? Why would you say, don't hit in the face, don't hit in the face, if he, unless you thought you were just about to be beat up? Well, by, Stallone, in the commentary, he says, um, like, here on the docks is, is where Rocky feels it at ease. He's completely natural, he's comfortable, because he's a child of the streets himself. And he knows that, you know, whether it's people that know him from fighting or, or know him for for his side business people are intimidated of him and uh this yeah. this was actually the second scene that they filmed and stallone before this wasn't sure if he could pull this kind of character off because you know he was a novice actor but he felt that if he can play this scene convincingly that he'll he'll be able to nail the rest of the movie and i and I, I think his interaction here with bob and like the empathy that he shows is is brilliant he played that brilliantly I always thought not the face was what that. I totally agree with what you're saying. I always thought that not the face basically was about you. Know, if the guy's walking around, and he's got a black eye and a broken jaw. Then he just no matter what he walks around looks like a a schmuck who got beaten up. You know, if he if he got you know if he got beaten up by the chest or the belly or whatever it is. You can you could hide that even a broken arm, broken leg. There's ways you can get around that. But if your face has a black eye or you have a broken jaw, then you just look like a clown. Right. And that's how I always thought of that as uh, you know, it's, this guy's humiliated enough. Don't make me come home with a big black eye and a broken jaw. Yeah, he probably has, has a wife. He's got a face and doesn't want to explain. She probably doesn't even know that he owes money to to Gazzo. Right. So it's uh, he's he wants to hide it. He doesn't want to walk around like you said, beaten up. What what does it mean? <laughs> now was this a common phrase back in 1976? If you want to dance, you got to pay the band. 
I like it though. I might start bringing, using that in my regular. I mean, he ne- he it drives the point home. Uh, he clarifies a little bit. He says, "You want to borrow? You got to pay the man." Uh, and he tells me he's not emotionally evolved, so he can separate himself from what he's doing. It's just a job to him. Yeah, but you know, like what you had just said about one of the things about where the docks is where he feels at ease. It's kind of interesting because up to this point, we, we think of Rocky as almost almost like a dummy, like a buffoon kind of guy, not too bright. But in this interaction, he's surprisingly eloquent. Like his his he says these you know you want to dance, you got to pay the band, you know. He's, yeah. And everything's smooth. Everything he's delivering, you know, what he's got to say. To this guy's getting his point across. He's obviously compassionate because he doesn't want to break the guy's thumbs. He doesn't want to hurt him. He would have done it already. You can see like very at ease. He's very comfortable in this role right here. Bob ends up handing over what he has and. uh you know, you talk about thinking Rocky of, of being kind of a buffoon. We'll find out next minute. He's he's not bad at math. He does, <laughs> does some really quick 200 minus 130, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Do you have anything else, Sully? No, I think we uh, I think we covered a lot here. I mean, this is a sense of this is we're developing a character that is is that has complexity to it, and yet we we have we have to. Yeah. Again, we're we have to understand almost when the film came out that you were asking the audience to come watch a movie where some guy you've never seen before is going to carry it, and you have to. And the entire value of this film rests on you being on this guy's side, and this is the hardest part of that introduction. Because you see him fight, you see he's down on his luck, you see him trying to be flirty, but he has this side to him as well. And this is what this does. If you can get past the, ooh, does he beat people up? And you realize he doesn't want this. This is all he can do. That this is probably one of the reasons why he needs to have something good in his life like Adrian. And that he doesn't want to be this big guy beating people up. And with that in mind, that adds to the need for him to have this once-in-a-lifetime chance. Do you, do you think that if he does break his thumbs or does beat him up, that would have affected how the audience feels towards Rocky? Absolutely. I think the fact that he lets the guy off, he lets the guy off... Makes you love him. Makes you realize he can't... This guy can't... The guy. The, this guy doesn't even want to hurt this sniveling guy who obviously, <laughs> obviously is a schmuck. And they're talking about what is it like? It's like they're, it's like two hundred bucks or something. It's not even like he owes ten thousand dollars or something like that. No, he's just a schmuck who 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 needs a hundred bucks. And that Rocky has empathy for this guy because, in a way, he probably knows that he's a few bad years away from being this guy. That he sees a, that there's the empathy, not it's, there's sympathy and empathy that he has for this person. That's like, hey, you know that uh, that could be me. I could owe people this money because who knows what I'm going to be, you know, in once I no longer can box. Yeah, he's already thirty. He's he's knocking on the door to to whatever lies next. Right. And, of course, we, it becomes, you know, when he loses his locker, it's like people are already looking at it like, oh, you got to move on. You're, this is a, you're, you're a has-been. Right. Or it never right. was. We thought uh, Rock Bottom was last week when he's sitting beaten up in his bed, but it has yet to come. Yeah, Rock Bottom will come soon. 
I think Bob's at rock bottom. <laughs> yeah, Bob's pretty close to rock bottom. Let me, let me tell you, they're not making six, away. They're, they're not making six movies about Bob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sully, why don't you tell our listener where he can find you? Um, okay, listener, um, just stop by my house. I'll make you a, a turkey club sandwich. Um, just you want go to follow me on Twitter at Sully Baseball. And I post everything there. My my blog posts, my the podcast, the videos I do. I do a series. I do a series of videos, including an in memoriam every All Star game, where I do kind of like the Oscar in memoriam video. I do that for the people who have passed away in baseball the previous year, and I and I and I put my back into those. And uh, and I also some of my other podcast appearance. I do a bunch of the minute by movie minutes, but also. Uh, I'm guesting a lot of baseball podcasts along the way, and and uh, I hope you don't mind uh, seeing blog posts about baseball cards because uh, I post them. That's incredible. I post them, so yeah, that's amazing. Uh, if you want to find out what movies they made minute by minute podcasts out of, you can go to moviesbyminutes.com, and uh, that has the comprehensive list. Um, why don't you go all the way back to the beginning and listen to Star Wars Minute? Because those guys, Pete and Alex, they started this whole thing off. So you owe them that. Go listen to Star Wars and Minute. And Indiana Jones Minute. That's a great, that's that's probably the funniest one in my opinion. I listen to all the Star Wars. It's great. And then the Indiana Jones Minute is great. I didn't know how, well, I don't know how, how three guys can, can pull it off. Plus guests. You, you'll have some, sometimes um, five guys on the program at once and... <laughs> You know, guys aren't stepping all over each other. It's it's incredible. And Do you know why it works? Because they're old friends. They're old friends. That they that they they, yeah, they, they finish each other's sentences. It definitely comes through. They play off each other very well. All right. Well, uh, if you're asking yourself, does Rocky end up breaking Bob's thumbs? You're gonna have to come back tomorrow and find out on the next Rocky Minute. <laughs> <laughs>